This is Stacey Hillier, and you are listening to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. Hey listeners and welcome back to another episode where we are focusing on all things revival and today I want to talk about a revival of first love, a revival of our hearts personally and it's often that it's an individual or personal revival that precedes a corporate revival and we have inferred that or referred to that briefly in other episodes but something that's really been on my heart lately is Revelation chapter 2 verses 1 to 7 and God calling his church and his bride back to her first love. In fact, this topic has been wrecking me for nearly a month now and I've had the privilege of preaching about this or sharing what I believe is on God's heart for the church in a couple of places recently and it's resonating very strongly with people. Why do I think that uh, we need a revival of the heart right now? Well, I want to talk about some things in the natural for a moment that might help us to understand why this is resonating so strongly with people, why I think it will resonate so strongly with you today as well. Did you know that over 90% of us in the nation of Australia are suffering with what psychologists, psychiatrists and social researchers have termed or coined crisis fatigue? And what crisis fatigue is, is when we begin to numb our emotions because of the pain or the loss that we are experiencing. So when there's heaps of catastrophic events, our brains fight or flight, we know that well, but also what they do is we numb so that we don't feel the full effects of the pain and the stress and the loss and the change that that causes. So if you think about the nation of Australia, in the last 12 to 18 months or even two years, we have had, of course, the pandemic to deal with, which has seen job loss, financial strain, etc. We've also had floods that's causing grocery prices to even increase. People have lost their homes. They've lost loved ones. They've been displaced, thousands of people displaced. We've also had bushfires. Again, people lost their homes, people lost their ability to produce and to create wealth and money to provide for their families. We also had an earthquake in Melbourne last year, which is not a normal thing for those of you who don't know much about the southern states of Australia. If you're from another nation, we don't have earthquakes. It's like a three times in history type thing. We had an earthquake in the city of Melbourne last year as well. Melbourne, here where I live, we're the most locked down city in the world. So we've had all these things going on, a change of government, political unrest, financial unrest. I've even prophesied that, that we were coming into a season of political and financial unrest. And we are seeing that happen now with even the Premier of our state, some of his cabinet stepping down. And we all know that there seems to be more to the story than what we're being told here. And I'm not making a political statement there, just an observation, let alone the financial unrest we're all facing because of the war in Ukraine and Russia where gas prices or petrol prices have increased because of floods, food prices have increased. We've also got the threat of um, hand, foot and mouth disease reaching our cattle, which they're telling us would put the prices of meat through the roof. We've also got inflation going up. People are struggling with mortgages. It's a lot. Then think about individually. In the last few years, people haven't been able to bury their loved ones because of COVID regulations. People haven't had normal weddings. They've postponed weddings three or four times. There's grief that goes with that. People haven't seen their family or been able to travel in years. 
Like there's been a lot for all of us. We've had relationships fall apart, job loss, all the things. We've got one of my sons, he did the whole of year 11 and 12 from home and he missed a whole bunch of rites of passage. So what we do, um, psychologists and social researchers are telling us is we numb our ability to experience the pain or the trauma or the change or the loss. Once our brain becomes overloaded, it's like we've got too many crisis tabs open and of course, God's intention is that we would take the pain to him. But often what we do instead in our flesh, and we're all doing it, like over 90% of us, is we numb. The issue with that is we are told that we cannot selectively numb our emotions. The place where we house all of our emotions is in the same small little part of the brain, all housed in the same spot. So what I mean by you can't selectively numb emotions is when we numb to cope with stress, pain, trauma, loss, grief, etc., we actually numb our ability to experience joy, abundant life, John 10, 10, abundant life, and even to be soft before God and to develop intimate relationship with him. In other words, I believe that over 90% of us are unaware of the fact that we have numbed our ability to experience our first love and to be motivated to do the things we did at first, which Revelation 2 talks about, for the reasons we did them before all of these things happened. This is why I think God is calling the church back to a personal revival, calling you and I and the prophets even back to a personal revival of first love. Let's read Revelation 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, as prophetic people, we love this passage. I hear lots of people afraid of Revelation, but as prophetic people, we should love it because this is John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, exiled on the Isle of Patmos or the island of Patmos. They'd already tried to execute him by putting him in a vat of boiling oil, but he did not die. So then they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. Chapter 1 tells us he was in the spirit, in other words, having a vision on the Lord's day, the disciple whom Jesus loved, becomes John the Revelator. Important we notice which one comes first. He was the disciple Jesus loved before he ever sought to be the Revelator. And I love that because 1 Corinthians 14 says, pursue love, then eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. John's the perfect example of that. He was in a loving relationship with Jesus where he laid back on his chest, listening to his heartbeat right within whispering distance of Jesus before he was ever John the Revelator. And we often want to be the effective Revelator before we're the disciple Jesus loved, and it doesn't work that way. And so a call again back to intimacy. So it's significant that this vision, this letter that Jesus writes to the seven most prominent churches of the day, the first one of which was the church in Ephesus, was given 
dictated to John, the disciple Jesus loved, who heard a voice behind him in the spirit on the Lord's day. He fell down as though dead because of the appearance of Jesus, how fiercely Jesus came in this vision, hair white like wool, eyes like fire, feet like burnished bronze and a face glowing with glory. And John fell down dead, heard this voice behind him like a trumpet saying, write this down to the churches. And so John takes this letter down to the church in Ephesus, which is a church he had actually led for many years. Paul established it, but John spent some time leading this church. And this church's big thing was love, the same as it was for John, because all churches reflect the strength of their leader. And if you think about 1, 2, and 3 John, as well as the Gospel of John, his big idea was abiding in Jesus and love, love for God, love for Jesus, love for one another. And so this church in Ephesus was very known for its love for Jesus. In fact, when it was first established by Paul on one of his missionary journeys to the city of Ephesus, there were many, many people in the city who worshipped a goddess called Artemis. So many people were getting radically saved by the proclamation of the gospel through Apostle Paul that the idol makers of the goddess Artemis were going out of business. Nobody was buying idols and trinkets from the temple anymore, and it it made them very unhappy, and so there was a riot in the city of Ephesus. But that's how in love with Jesus these people were, no longer worshipping any other gods, which was radical for the culture of the time, for Greco-Roman culture. Also, there were many, many people involved in the occult and dark magic practices, and they had many expensive books on how to practice these things. And they were getting so radically saved and falling so in love with Jesus through Paul's testimony and his gospel preaching that they did a group burning ceremony where they brought all of their magic arts books into the center of the city. You can read about this in Acts 19 and 20. And they burned them all. And historians tell us that the amount of books they burnt in that would be the equivalent of six million US dollars today. This is how much these people love Jesus. So this revelation is given to the prophet John. He's receiving a vision in the spirit on the Lord's day, the disciple whom Jesus loved to a church that radically loved Jesus. And God's saying, hang on, I need you to remember from where you have fallen. Jesus is proclaiming, remember from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Hey listeners, did you know that Stacy also has a guided prayers podcast? Contemplative prayer is a biblical and rich practice that helps us to step out of the hustle and to silence the noise to hear God's voice and to let his word dwell richly in us, transforming us from the inside out. With a new guided prayer released monthly, you too can discover the rich treasures of contemplative Christian practices. Find it wherever you listen to your podcasts by searching for Guided Prayers with Stacey Hillier. Now, back to Stace. So what I want to focus on today, I'm not going to give you my whole message that I've been preaching in the last few weeks. I'm saving that up because I feel like I am going to preach that in more places yet. But I do want to focus in on today one of the essentials of a revived heart, and that's remembrance and repentance. Repentance isn't a word we love, but you can't have revival without repentance. And um, verse 5 that we read before says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. And in the way that Jesus constructs his language, the better way of saying this would be keep on remembering from where you have fallen. Keep on remembering your first love. Keep on thinking about, never forget your first love. Think about from where you've come and where God has brought you to. 
Think about from where you started when you were first in love with Jesus and now how you approach your time with Jesus. And this was written to a people doing all the right things. Jesus lists out through John all these things they're doing well. They're toiling, they're working, they're patient, endurance, etc. To be honest, I toiled and I worked and I tried to endure patiently throughout COVID. And I thought that was a sign that I'd nailed it. But actually, the sign that I've nailed it is that I'm I'm still in love like I was when I first met Jesus. Jesus cares more about our hearts than our works. And this word here in verse 5, remember therefore from where you have fallen, actually has a dual meaning. It means to collapse, to falter, or to fall to our destruction by not remembering. But the other meaning is to collapse into worship. So the word play here is don't fall to your destruction by not remembering. Remember and fall down in intimate worship. Very different, right? And these were the same people Jesus was speaking to, we've just covered, who were passionate enough to stop buying their idols, stop worshipping other gods, burned their magic arts books. These were the same people that when Apostle Paul wrote to them in the book of Ephesians, or the letter of Ephesians, he said, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh. Remember that you were separated from Christ, but you have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. He was reminding them of the thing that he very first preached to them that saw them fall down in intimate worship of Jesus. I want to ask you today, do you remember what it was like when you first fell in love with Jesus? I've noticed that when I observe other people and even when I first started dating my husband, when you fall in love, you rearrange everything. And I want to ask you today, prophetic people, are you rearranging everything for your time with Jesus? Or are you asking Jesus to follow you as you get about your busy and important prophetic life? Ooh, that's a big question. Because hearts that are revived turn away from things that dull our appetite for his word and for worship and steal our time from prayer. And falling away, however subtle, requires repentance. And repentance starts with feeling a sense of remorse or sorrow. And then because of that emotion, allowing that to fuel or motivate us to turn away to change our thinking through the renewal of our mind, which is the work of the Holy Spirit, and to walk in a new direction. You know, when he's our first thought and our first priority and our first inclination, when we turn away from lesser things for the one thing, we've discovered the true spirit of revival. And so I want to just go through some of the ways that I noticed that I've numbed and fallen away from my first love. And maybe you'll come up with your own symptoms. I noticed that what I knew about God was becoming more important to me than actually just spending time with him. So this looked like instead of my devotional times being just blown away by who Jesus is in his word or who God is in his word, I was more blown away by my own knowledge of what God's word was saying. It's subtle and it came in quickly, but our head knowledge outgrows our heart experience when we're falling away from our first love. Another one is I was getting more excited about exercising the spiritual gifts than about the gift giver. Oh, I don't like to admit that, but it's real. Another is when we're falling away from our first love, we can begin to take a Judas posture in worship when we were once Mary. Another one, we focus on the tasks of ministry like Martha when we used to sit at his feet like Mary. 
Another is we can get more focused on the appearance of our lamp rather than the intensity of the flame within the lamp. Another is we talk more at Jesus and we listen to Jesus. Or our sensitivity to sin decreases. We start to watch things we once wouldn't have watched or listened to things we wouldn't have listened to, go places we know we shouldn't go, say things we know we shouldn't say, tolerate uh, slight deviations from truth rather than saying what we know we need to say in love. And another one is the things that were once all about serving Jesus out of love have become all about serving us. So this can look like, you know, conversations in the car on the way home from church or life group. You know, I didn't really enjoy that study tonight. I didn't get a lot out of the preaching today. I wish they wouldn't do that song in worship. Those things are all about ministering to God, not about ministering to us. And so I want to ask you today, are you seeing any of those symptoms in yourself? These are great questions for us to be asking of ourselves at the moment. So I want to give you four steps of how you can experience personal revival. Remember, so take some time to just remember what it was like when you first fell in love with Jesus. And if you can see that you've fallen away from that, step two is repent. You know, when I got to this step, I thought, well, God, it's not really big sin. And he said to me, Stacy, it's the big one to me. Because what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. And everything else flows from that. Everything should flow from our intimacy. So this is the big one, the first one to him. And the church might make other things the first one or the big one. But to Jesus, our love, our love relationship with him is the biggest one. And so I had to repent. And he showed me many things I've been doing in the last few years that have become going through the motions rather than pure devotion. Remember, repent, return. Return to your first love. Return to the things you did at first. Return to loving Jesus with all of your heart and ask for the Holy Spirit's help. And then as we return to this place, then the flame of our heart is rekindled. And we once again can become all that God intended for the church and for us as individuals, that we would be a light to the nations, that we would be salt and light, that we would be a light on a hill, that many would come to know Jesus. Remember, repent, return and rekindle. This is the process we go through. And I'm going to sound real like a harsh prophet here, but it's just Bible. And so I bring this warning soberly, knowing that God really spoke to me about this. If we do not remember, repent, return and rekindle, then he will remove our lampstand. To the church in Ephesus, this prophetic message was delivered through John. We've covered that. Did you know that just 10 years later, that church did not exist anymore? There was no trace of it to be found again. In other words, they did not remember, repent, return and rekindle. I don't know about you. But I don't want to get into heaven, get to that day, and Jesus say, "Good, well done, good and faithful servant. And then we talk and he says, but you lost your flame. You lost your first love. I want to bound into heaven as in love with Jesus as I was when I first knew he loved me and when I first responded. I don't want to grow dim. I don't want to grow cold. I need a revival of my heart, Psalm 85.6. Will you not revive us again that we may rejoice in you? So that's what I want to bring to you today, a revival of first love. 
He is faithful to revive us again if we will remember, repent, return, the Holy Spirit can rekindle. So let me pray for you today, listener. God, I thank you that your presence is here. Even as I record this and for every person who's listening, your presence is there with them. Timing is perfect when they're listening. I thank you for a revival of first love. I thank you that it's a revival in the few that can spark a revival in the many. We choose to be fire starters in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would come and you would reawaken your bride. You would reawaken us where we've grown numb to cope with life. Come and reawaken us. Come and wake us up from our slumber. Revive our hearts for you have much you want to do in your world, on the earth. And we will not stop praying until we see the glory of the Lord cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So set our hearts on fire again, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. We open ourselves up to you. We say, come and do what you need to do to make us holy, to set us on fire so that we can be a light to the nations, so that we can go and make disciples of all nations. I thank you for a revival of first love. I thank you. You're calling me to remember. I repent. I turn. I return to do the things I did at first from an overflow from an overflow of my love for you, not because of a works mentality, but just because we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for joining me today as we've talked about a personal revival. I pray you've been encouraged. I'd love to hear from you. And on that note, I'm actually going to take a few weeks off. So you won't receive an episode for a couple of weeks because I need to do what I've just preached. And I need to create room and space to remember, repent, return and be rekindled. And I don't ever want to bring anything to you listeners that is not fresh, fresh bread. And so I need to take a little break. I've got a lot going on in my world at the moment, which is very exciting, including a revival conference at Numa Church. We'd love you to join us. You can check it out at numa.church forward slash revival or forward slash conference. Just Google revival conference, Numa Church, N-E-U-M-A. You are all welcome. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be loving it. And we've got some incredible guest speakers as well as our Numa worship team. And I just know you're going to love it. So if you want to come, sign up. I'd love to see you there. And I'm going to take a few weeks to hear from God, just rest and to return, to remember, return, repent, etc. And I hope you do the same. Love ya. Talk to you soon. Bye. 